Hello and welcome to Seen Anything Good Lately, the podcast that'll give you so many recommendations you'll never argue over the Netflix menu again. I'm Jason Solomons and joining me on this edition of the show are the Oscar-nominated filmmaker Mira Nair and the admired film documentary maker Mark Cousins and we'll find out if they've seen anything good lately. On TV, I love the great British sewing bee. I've seen this extraordinary series on Amazon from India called Patal Lok. Hi, how you been? What have you been watching? Seen anything good lately? I'm very excited about this particular show as I'm showcasing the finest in female filmmaking talent. Mira Nair, I've known her for quite a while now and her films always excite and enchant. She gave me a book once and signed it for me with a note to Jason, fellow soldier of cinema. What a charmer she is. But that's always resonated, that message in there. And I've taken it to heart. You have to fight for the good movies, you know. You have to get them seen and heard. And you have to get their meaning across to the wider public. And it's the same now for great TV shows, too. You've got to be a spy and pick out the right ones. So this show, I think, is really helping with that mission. That's the point of it, I reckon. And her new adaptation of A Suitable Boy is definitely one of the best. So really looking forward to hearing from Mira Nair about her work and what she's been watching. Mark Cousins is definitely a soldier of cinema. He's probably a major general or something like that. I don't know Maranks very well. He's brought so much amazing film culture to the screen over the years, championing filmmakers like Orson Welles and the whole genre of children's film around the world. And of course, the story of cinema was an epic documentary in itself. And now he's back doing it again with Women Make Film. It's another monumental piece, giving neglected women filmmakers from around the world that most wonderful cinematic ode that you can possibly do. I loved his film, all 14 hours of it. I did, but it whizzed by. So it's great to bring those two together, Mira Nair and Mark Cousins. But before we hear what they're up to, I should probably tell you if I've seen anything good lately. I'm reading Oliver Stone's autobiography, Chasing the Light, it's called, and it's uh, as muscular and punchy as the guy's films themselves. Uh, It's also as wildly entertaining. It's about making Salvador, about writing Scarface and going all the way out to getting the Oscar for Platoon. You do have to have a certain madness and mania to direct films, it seems to me. And this makes for gripping reading, seeing that grow in the young Oliver. I've got into Orthodox on Netflix, a bit late to the uh, party on this one. I just thought the first couple of episodes were brilliant. I'd heard some things about it, but I I thought that it really takes you into that world of the Orthodox Jews in Williamsburg in Brooklyn uh, and makes you feel all of the lead character Esty's fears. And what a performance from the the, the actress playing Esty. Shira Hass is her name, a young Israeli actor, 24 years old. I've never seen her before. But she makes the most extraordinary physical transformation throughout this. I'm absolutely hooked by Orthodox. And for a summer vibe, I'm enjoying... Jesse Ware's new album, What's Your Pleasure, which has got a really lovely disco-y feel to it, particularly on the tracks uh, Mirage, Don't Stop, and the opener, Spotlight. Give it a whirl. So that's what I've seen and heard lately. Now it's time to introduce my first guest for today's show. Mira Nair is one of the world's leading filmmakers. Simple. 
She broke through with the Oscar-nominated Salam Bombay and has explored Indian and cross-colonial legacy in her beautiful films ever since, from Mississippi Masala with Denzel Washington, remember that one, to Vanity Fair with uh, Reese Witherspoon, set here in London, and the Venice-winning Monsoon Wedding, oh, Monsoon Wedding, and Disney hit Queen of Catway, starring David Yellowo and Lupita Nyong'o, which my kids absolutely love and is shown in schools around the world, uh, and the controversial adaptation The Reluctant Fundamentalist, you'll remember, starring Riz Ahmed. Well, now she's taken on her first TV series adaptation and it's of Vikram Seth's enormous novel A Suitable Boy which I haven't read confession straight away so I'm into reading it through this version this is definitely one while I'm waiting for the TV show it's the first BBC period drama made entirely without white people apart from Andrew Davis basically who wrote the script then he writes the script for all of these things from war and peace to pride and prejudice it tells the story of four families entwined while India itself reverberates from partition so we're set in 1951 here partition being in in 47 in particular it's the story of literature student Lata who's as independent minded as the new India herself and Lata and her family's battle to find her a suitable husband that's the title of the book and the title of the show and that's what it's about it's shot in a fabulous looking area of India which I found out later is luck now and it's got a strong cast of newcomers and experienced Bollywood stars it airs on Sunday nights on BBC one all through August and plays as the closing film at the Toronto Film Festival so it's got its uh, kudos and, uh, and props from the film world as well as the TV world there I caught up with Mira Naya where she was finishing a suitable boy in lockdown and the fabulous Mira Naya joins me now on the line from New York. What a place to be during this lockdown. It must have been very difficult for you out there, Mira. Actually, you know, we're all in our little cocoons and I'm my cocoon is very a beautiful one, actually. I feel privileged. I'm in my own home uh, on opposite a park, Riverside Drive, and we walk at least every day in nature. And But otherwise, I'm in this little room full of books, and full of devices and paintings i can see behind and, and, and paintings uh, wonderful paintings and and uh, you know finishing a suitable boy literally on three devices the ipad the laptop the phone and and i have the mix going on i have the grading going on on another device it's extraordinary that we have remotely done post-production because hold on what are you saying it's not finished yet i saw it i've seen two episodes last night only two sweetheart i'm still finishing episode five and we're mixing and doing a 30-piece orchestra yesterday on episode six so we are uh, still finishing five and six so if it doesn't happen you can blame this interview i've I've totally interrupted the whole flow of a suitable boy (laughs) no 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 we fit you in jason solomon That's so kind of you. And it's, it is great. I absolutely loved it. The first shot, I was like, because I didn't quite know what it was going to look like and how it was going to feel. And I knew it was you doing it. And then the first shot, I was absolutely seduced in the first, by the atmosphere and the the, the heaviness of the atmosphere, the pungency, everything. It's, obviously, it's a wedding. So there's no there's no better expert in doing an Indian wedding than yourself. But... Well, yes, but may the goddess bless you for that. Because uh, not for the wedding part, because I know, but this the film, the book, of suitable boy starts with the wedding but i welcome you to to the reality of it you know basically and the layers of it and the recreation of a time that was much more austere uh, and much more i don't know i think much more beautiful uh, than the time we live in now that's why i love vikram's book a suitable boy because it it really has the it captures that entire era and also the 
a cultural multiplicity, the, the plurality of our lives, you know, that it is, it's four families, but uh, from all class and diversity and language. And it's all comes in a time where we were all finding who we are, who the nation. I didn't know that it was quite the bonk buster. <laughs> I'm seeing this in your, in your, in your well, hands. There's a lot of sex it. in it. There's a wonderful amount. And, and I think I, uh, you know, definitely go for it. I love, I love, I love Minakshi. You know, somebody yesterday on Twitter called Minakshi Mehra, played by Shahana Goswami, the most extraordinary actor, uh, called her. Uh, oh, I love the horny Calcutta wife. He said, <laughs> <laughs> "There's all sorts of love in a suitable boy," and and I and I go for it. You know what? It's forbidden love. It's carnal love. It's um, you know, it, 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 I guess it's naughty love in a way, but it's also innocent love. Uh, yeah. yeah, all sorts of love come through. All Phys- some of, of it's physical and, and then it's feeling love and 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 i love the fact you know uh, of the you could call it amorality i call it just a sort of pleasure in living that you know that minakshi you know the, she she comes from sort of she's what we used to call the bengali ben- bombshells you know the bengal <laughs> i mean i grew up in calcutta and my god the bengali women and the you know their their sensuality and desperate incredible intelligence and all that mixed in they would wear these extraordinarily glam clothes and below the navel saris and so would and you you were one thing. of them weren't you a dancer no man i never i i you know i never had the navel to expose i was just a punjabi belly all the way <laughs> <laughs> Is this a, a book that you, a, a, a gig, if you like, a film, if you like to bring it to the screen? Is this something you've wanted to do for a long, long time that you've been battling to, to get the rights to, to be, make sure it was you that did it? I've loved it for a long time. And when it, you know, I, I know Vikram also. I met him a lot of times while he was writing it. And I loved the book. I loved the book like a best friend. I loved it. I read it twice, which is saying something. <laughs> yeah, because that uh, takes, and, a, and, takes uh, a bit of time itself. Yeah, it takes a hell of a bit of time. And, and I... And I call it sort of the Mabap, the mother father of what then became uh, my own film, Monsoon Wedding. Uh, but after that, you, there were some attempts to make Suitable Boy, but I wasn't part of the desperate attempt at all. I just did my own work for the next 20 years. But when I heard that Suitable was coming up again, uh, and um, when I heard that a line producer was prowling around India looking or whatever to set it up, I thought to myself, I got to throw my sari into this. I got to uh, anything but Agora to do this. I have to do it, you know. And 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 I and I very quickly was doing it because they were very happy that I was interested, and and started, you know, immediately at work. Is this your first first TV series? I suppose I don't know. I don't yeah. know what dif- I don't know what the difference is anymore. Maybe you can tell me. This is your first. Let's say it's a BBC. It's a Netflix thing. I mean, well, uh, it, this it is my first TV series. It's uh, but I don't think actually of it like that. I mean, I think of it like as long form cinema, you know, which is what television now gives us the luxury to make. It yeah. And also really, you have uh, Declan Quinn shooting it, who is who you've worked with for years. For the, my whole, that is the only way to have made this in the scale and magnificence and sweep in which you see it, because we didn't have the budget of the century. When you're making a South Asian tale, no matter whatever its credentials as classics or whatever, the belt is always much tighter. And and the reason it looks so like an epic and, and has the intimacy of a, of a family tri- a drama 
is because of Declan Quinn and because of my cinema, my whole creative family. Uh, and also we have literally three generations of crew who have worked with us since Salam Bombay with me. So I had on this set, I, I kid you not, Jason, on the set, I had three generations of gaffers. Wasim, uh, who was my best boy, his father, Muhammad, who was the gaffer of the second unit, and his grandfather, Muhammad Hassan, who was the grand gaffer on Salam Bombay. Wow. And I was just had tears in my eyes, you know, to see this three generations. For and a family I... saga that you're telling, you've got it off screen <laughs> and on screen. Correct, correct. So families have made this film. I have to say that one of the things that I forgot when I was watching it, I was thinking the music is fantastic and there's some brilliant sitar playing in there, of course. And then I thought, of course, it's Anushka Shankar that has done Anushka the music. Anushka Shankar with is the co-composer with Alex Hefes, who is an extraordinary composer. She does all the sitar and, and, she, and she composed for it. And beautiful, beautiful. And, and really the sound of Lata is the sound of the sitar. I have to say, that I'm is. absolutely thrilled that you're, that, you're, that you're bringing this to the screen it looks so different i tell you what the thing i talk about the sex in it but one of the i know it's a period film and we talked about it sort of in 1951 post-partition uh, sector but actually mira i don't know if this was deliberate or if this is just you to me it actually felt like it was shot three weeks ago it's it, it's modern it, you don't really yes, notice completely. the period trappings at all utterly modern and even the way even though we refurbished market squares and put in the old cars and and in some cases, you know, cleaned up roofs of crumbling palaces. It is the style, the sensibility, but also the question in it is utterly modern and utterly universal. The the characters who open doors to your soul, that type of thing. And what's lovely about making a six-hour story is that you get to unfold this. You know, the, the episode one has to set up the foundation. Then you go on this journey knowing who you're going with. That's the beauty of it also. So what will come uh, in the next few weeks is I hope for something that people will be transported on this journey, but also see themselves in it. Because those are the questions that are the eternal questions. Well, those are the, those are the key ones. If you could make me see myself in it, you know, I didn't grow up in in, in Calcutta or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But I saw myself but, in three or four of the characters at least. But all of us maybe have a little pompous uncle. All of us have a really charming aunt who's has a secret life you know I mean, all of us are all... supposed to marry someone that our mum wants us to marry and then we don't yes. do it <laughs> yes and, and we feel we... bad that we don't do it or we do do it maybe and and, and, like... and find a kind of weird love that happens later when you least expect it i see you're interested in mathematics and poetry that's unusual mm. is that so that maths textbook it's pretty advanced stuff. My father's a maths professor at the university. Oh, actually, I'm not really interested in maths at all. Wonderful, nor am I. I'm in the history department. I must go now. My friend is waiting for me. I suppose I've been disturbing you? No. In that case, may I ask your name? Nata. Aren't you going to ask me mine? No. <laughs> I'm going to have to ask you the question I have to ask everybody, Mira okay. Naya, is have you seen anything good lately? You know, I have. Uh, I've seen this extraordinary series on Amazon from India called Patal Lok, which translates as hell people. Uh, and it's a few hours long, and, and it's really about a washed out, 
policeman played absolutely marvelously by this actor Pehlawat and and who goes through small town cop life until he gets an extraordinarily big and glamorous case of a TV anchor who has been put on a hit list. And in his discovery of like the Pata Lok means hell people from the lower classes, they mm. call themselves just, but it's a discovery, it's a sort of investigation of the middle class and the upper middle class. And, and it is a remarkable slice of very beautifully perceived, astutely seen modern urban life. And I really recommend it. Are we getting and, good stuff like that coming out of India? This would be, I would say for me, uh, uh, the best. Uh, and, um, but there's a lot of stuff coming out of India. <laughs> but, uh, and it's wonderful to be coming out. But sometimes, uh, the, I mean, what I love about Patha Lok is its rigor of storytelling. And, and it's in the performances and the writing, it's all has this rigor that, that you don't often see. That's a fantastic recommendation. And what about movies? I know you've been obviously stuck in a, in a, in a mega edit and, a, and yeah. making a theatrical, but uh, obviously in the movie world, we love you ever. Um, yeah. have, have you been catching up with movies? Have you seen anything new movies? It's not been easy, obviously in lockdown. You know, I must say that I'm making a six hour movie and I, I watch the screens for more than 10 to 11 hours a day and my eyes, do not need more at the end of the night. So I do, I'm not really watching a lot of films. Uh, sadly, I'm do longing for it. In about 10 days when I'm done, I will. I, I'm collecting a, a list. What of would be on your list then? Because obviously, we, we, you know, so much has, has happened. But there, sometimes there, there are films that you turn to as a, you know, as a relaxation, as a bomb, like, like you're putting on a favorite album sometimes. Uh, well, the Criterion Channel is my go-to. And, and I go... Like, if I'm in the mood for Hal Ashby, I can dip right into Hal Ashby, you know, which I am intending to do because he just makes the world work for me on the screen. But but these days, what have I been watching? I've been dying to see my 20th century, which is an older film that I loved once. Um, oh, I don't know that but, one. Mm. Yeah, it, 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 I don't pronounce her name, the, the name of the director, but uh, it's a wonderful film that I loved. And I, it's on the Orient Express, I think, and, and I loved it, and I want to see that again. But... Um, I have been really not seeing more than bringing out my own, um, but uh, I will, I will. It's it's the series, uh, you know, that's what happens. You just see what's on, in the, in the state of exhaustion, you just see what's on on television sometimes. Yeah, I could ask you what would be inspirational films for uh, for making A Suitable Boy or for setting people up to watch A Suitable oh, Boy, oh. but obviously A Monsoon Wedding would be one of them, and you've obviously yes. been immersed in that because you've been bringing that to the stage as well. well. Well, no, a monsoon wedding would be one of them, but but also uh, the leopard, uh, mm. you know, the Visconti. What a film, great, yeah, great comparison! Uh, it's a great uh, for me that that the stateliness of that dying aristocracy. It's very much a part of how we brought that type of sweep and 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 fluidity to shooting a suitable boy. Um, I always, you know, I always, because I work with a lot of new people, newcomers, uh, first time people on screen, but also first time people with the crew. And I, I rely so much on layering with real people uh, all the way, like every major house in a Suitable Boy, I cast the servants that had always worked there for 15 years, 20 years in each house. And they taught me the how the movement and the sort of rootness with which they operated for me, spoke volumes. So it was like that in every frame. So I always taught my team how to do background 
action, what is called background action, the the the, the directing of people on the street. Yes. And and you know you know now, Surubal Boy is quite epic. I mean, we've taken over the ghats of Banaras and and you know where you see different layers of action. So sometimes there are two to three hundred people on the stairs and so on, and everyone has to be redressed and and formed in a certain way. So I always show them La Dolce Vita. You know, I always show them like how to make the background feel like the foreground, you know, in terms of the, the veracity of it yeah. and in terms of just the delight of it, frankly. Uh, so I love that you turn to Visconti and Fellini for your, yes, for your I, inspirations I there. Sometimes, depending on the film, yeah. you know, and, and uh, definitely, and, but, but also, uh, you know, uh, for me, it's photography, you know, looking at the images of uh, Raghu Rai or Katya Bresson or Dayanita Singh or, you know, the, the, the people of that time also who shot in 1951 and the 50s. For me, the images of that time were a big, a, a big way of uh, inspiring uh, the look uh, or, and of what we did in Suitable Boy. And, and the palette, uh, you know, also comes from like the paintings of Amrita Shergill, of, of, of things I enjoy and love, and, and the whole refinement of Lucknow culture, which is the city of Brampur in the, in the Suitable Boy, is in itself just a treasure of, of whether it's embroideries, you know, it's known for its chicken, it's known for that embroidery, right. or whether it's muslins, or whether it's, you know, extraordinary architecture. I mean, we have it there, you know, with us. I've and, never been, but I, it just looked, I mean, I want to go as soon as, the, as soon as one is able to, I would, I'd love to go there. It's, it's, uh, it's, um, it's really an extraordinary place. And we found pockets of it that we could then bring back to life again, you know, and, um, the next thing we knew, like uh, uh, the, the house that we had worked so hard to bring back was sold to the income tax offices for the next month and it was going to be raised to the ground. You know, it's like that. We are catching Lucknow also in the cusp of sadly totally changing. And mm. But we managed and uh, yeah, it was an enormous labor of love. And I, and I think and I'm happy to say not one shot was made in Manchester. <laughs> and also love, <laughs> love also comes through in almost every frame. So uh, thank that's, you. That's, thank that's, you, that's definitely what I can thank say to you. you. Just as a parting message, obviously it's a story about another time, but we always reflect the current times when you do period films, the best period films yes. reflect the, the times they're made in. And I say to you, it feels very modern. Not only are there divisions rippling on now in India itself, but in the world. Uh, we seem mm -hmm. to have a, a, a difficult and fractured world that maybe is different to the one you started filming this project in. Do you think, what, is there a takeaway message from A Suitable Boy, both for India and for the rest of the world? You know, for me, it was very important in making A Suitable Boy to hold a mirror to the world that we live in today, to the India of now, to the fact that the seeds of, to show that the seeds of, this di terrible divisions that we still feel and we are in fact perpetuating further currently uh, were planted then on independence, on the partition, after the partition uh, and, and also on the creation of those who chose not to return to Pakistan or go to Pakistan and India was and is their home uh, and those who believe that it is there. So that also makes A Suitable Boy extraordinarily timely because not only does it show the seeds of this schism that we feel today, but also it shows the extraordinary depth of the coexistence of Hindu and Muslim cultures. Mm -hmm. And that extraordinarily beautiful interwoven life is being obliterated. Yes. 
and and yet was so full and present and beautiful uh, in a suitable boy and so both things should be remembered but because otherwise you know if the world has it their way uh, that plurality is fast being obliterated well you can see that each one makes the other more beautiful so yeah. you know i think that's a, that's the lesson that i was taking yeah. from it for our world you can't separate yeah. because you together... can't separate because we are both we are everything together in our hearts and that is that is uh, you know and yet it it also reveals a world where people are, will refuse to see it any other way mira naya thank you so much for joining me thank you for stopping working for 5 minutes <laughs> to join us congratulations <laughs> yeah. on a suitable boy i'm so looking forward to the summer now uh, in its company thank you so much thank you so much listen bye bye <laughs> there was Anushka Shankar who did the music for a suitable boy that's her playing Indian Summer Mark Cousins is my next guest he's been championing film all his life basically as a student and then as a BBC critic and presenter on Movie Drome and then as a highly original filmmaker narrating his way with his juicy brogue voiceover around cinematic homages in epic docs like the story of film and Orson Welles's eyes to the story of children in film and now he's back with another 14-hour epic doc called Women Make Film highlighting the contributions and two forgotten history of women in cinema with clips from over 180 women filmmakers from around the world it's a hypnotic collage is basically all i can say of scenes and breakdowns that will give anyone watching an education and an entry into entirely new worlds only this time cousins has used some very famous women filmmakers and actresses to do the voiceovers most films have been directed by men most of the recognized so-called movie classics were directed by men For 13 decades and on all six filmmaking continents, thousands of women have been directing films too. Some of the best films. What movies did they make? What techniques did they use? What can we learn about cinema from them? Tilda Swinton there, one of Mark's regular collaborators and friends and a great storyteller herself, uh, narrating Mark's script for Women Make Film. So of course, I began by asking Mark how he chose such a stellar lineup of women to tell the tale of Women Make Film. I really was looking for women with real credibility who had made great choices and who also you know didn't buy into some of the gender stereotypes and things and so we got people like Jane Fonda and Tandy Newton and you know Shamila Tagore and Kerry Fox and Adjuando it was we got really great people I was thrilled and I think they liked the idea that this wasn't going to generalize about uh, how women have made films and it was to, to going to talk about their work and, and what they do is they add a different texture each one of them individually you'd think well what what difference does it make having different ones but they do uh, bring their own personality to it do, do they bring their own viewpoints to it how much input do they have on 
on the on the script? Well, time was tight, so they, they, I offered each narrator in, input into the script, but basically I just showed up and they recorded what was already written, Jason, to be honest, you know, but as you say, they bring their own voice and intimacy and Tandy Newton went really, really close to the microphone, almost whispering, and Kerry Fox being a big, loud, brilliant Kiwi, you know, sort of filled the room with her voice. And that was very nice to see. <laughs> uh, the the films that you touch on, the way that you did it, you, you, you've you talked about it and how you broke it down into various themes that you were going to approach rather than go geographically or chronologically. So you yes. looked at different ways of seeing, I suppose, through... Uh, through the lens I'm quoting John Berger there uh, one of Tilda's favourites <laughs> but you're yeah, also um, occupied yeah, with the male gaze because you talk about female film critics like Laura Mulvey who, who changed the way that perhaps we should be looking at film when you've, when you've done 14 hours gazing through a female lens do you look at the world a bit differently now Mark? It's a very good question you know I, I not once in the whole 14 hours do we use the phrase male gaze or female gaze you know because I think that I, I love Laura Mulvey I love those people who really challenged the masculinity of cinema but that was a blunt instrument Jason and I think that the more I watched the less I was prepared to generalize you know I think some of maybe the best war film ever made was made by a woman and so many times people said you know to me oh women make great films about relationships or about children or and when you really look when you watch loads of this stuff women make films about anything and everything what what has changed me is that i feel as if my eyes have been opened even more to the brilliance of cinema well i'm discovering names countless names countless films that you know as a, as a film critic of 20 plus years I, I perhaps should have known but i i didn't know at all i presume i'm not alone in that and i'm hoping that you discovered people that you didn't know as well yeah no that's right and i think that you know it's not about making people feel guilty that they haven't heard of these great filmmakers whose names are not familiar like malvina ursianu or binkajelia's or Kinyo Tanaka or, or, or the, the many women that we've revealed. Uh, it's more kind of affirmative than that, Jason. You know, it's about we're all part of the problem, but we're all movie lovers and therefore we can all celebrate this stuff. There, there, there are some, in terms of the popular films or one with, with a well-known films, they're reminding me that they were in fact directed by women. I'd forgotten Wayne's World was in fact directed exactly. by a woman. I know. I know. I think lots of people would be surprised by that because Wayne's World is so much about teenage boys, isn't it? Yeah. Or pretending pretend teenage boys. And yet it was directed by a woman. And I love that. And I love the transgression of that. And as you know, Jason, when we look through film his history, there are lots of great women making films about men and lots of great men making films about women. Think of Pedro Almodovar. Think of Terry Davis. Think of Imamura in Japan. You know, And I love, you know, cinema is the art form without boundaries you know and you can see that in a film like Wayne's World. In all the sort of categories that you do uh, talk about which go from love and death and courage and reveal and comedy and opening shots and tension all of those categories yeah. was there one that did have a particular female slant that female filmmakers did differently to how you'd expect it. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of sex not just in general yes. but in particular <laughs> in particular here or somewhere like that, that, that it might seem a very obvious place to start but with with in terms of the female gaze and where the camera is and how the scenes reveal themselves is there a particular you know narrative or, or story or shot that that female filmmakers do that is you know patently different patently different I have to say no subtly different yes I do think when you look at how 
Claire Denis looks at the male body or how you look when you look at how Catherine Brea looks at men's bodies. Mm. You know, there's a kind of, the obvious word is lust, but yeah. it's more complicated than that. It's a kind of open-eyed, going, going back to the idea of eye-opener, eye it's a kind of open-eyed wonder. You know, when you film a body which isn't yours, and the, by definition, these women do not have male bodies, then you can see a sense of discovery, almost like a kind of virgin territory. And so, yes, you can say that that's new, but it's not that that's that's different, but it's not hugely different from the way men film bodies either. Mark, have you seen anything good lately, apart from 14 hours of, <laughs> of your own documentary? <laughs> well, you know, I've got, I've got very sort of high-low taste, you know, Catholic taste, you know, so I've, um, I, I've been trying to get my head around this thing called Dao. Have you seen any of that? The, you know, the Ukrainian 14 sequence film of films. Where's that on? Well, it's just online. Right. And, you know, they've been filming it for 10 years with 35,000 extras and it's a epic it's i think one of the biggest film projects ever so i've been getting my head around that so it's like a mark cousins film but with thirty-five thousand extras <laughs> apart from you yeah i know and i really tried to understand it and so um that's the biggest thing i think that's happened in cinema in recent years so i've been trying to understand that i've been because of the you know the lockdown and there's a lot of kind of emotions and pressures and sadnesses and high amplitude isn't there and so i've been going from that to on tv i love the great british sewing bee i presume you're a fan of that i am well. a fan of that i have to say i'm a big fan of joe lysett and my wife is a big fan of of embroidery and sewing and doing it things yourself and i i, I think it's a really interesting take on the reality show and i think there's some beautiful things it. there. it's lovely watching people make stuff you know and but yesterday it was funny yeah and i i ended up watching an on a, a 90 minute online lecture about the epic of Gilgamesh and you know one of the first great epic poems yeah. and I noticed that I'm attracted to stuff that happened a long time ago in the current crisis a long time ago is a very attractive place yes I suppose the the, the modernity is uh, well I it's proving itself to be connected though very much I think we've had a lot of nostalgia uh, during this lockdown like almost almost sort of out of necessity have you been reading stuff and, and listening to stuff as well as watching stuff Mark yeah I mean I, I'm in the middle of this book called um ideas a history it's written by this guy called peter watson and it's a history of ideas and it starts way back in the birth of humanity and goes as far as freud and you know it's a it's a thousand pages or something uh, and i'm just loving it again it's nourishing and intense and he's a beautiful writer so i'm loving it i don't know peter watson no, i shall uh, dis discover that first one. first book of his that i've read but i just you know and i, f I fall asleep at the, a lot at the moment it could be because of my advanced age or because of, <laughs> you know, a lot of people are talking about lethargy so i only get through 10 pages a day but i can't wait to get to those 10 pages oh what a treat uh, peter watson and I mean, in terms of music i know you're a, a music fan and you, you dip in and out and again quite catholic in your taste have you been uh, turning to anything musically i have everything that i've been listening to musically has been related to work uh, my editor and i have found a way of editing remotely so we're working every day and so everything i listen to is for work purposes and so the great uh, DJ and composer David Holmes, for example, I've been uh, listening to his music. Recently. But he scored a film. You did. You did. He did a film of yours uh, in Belfast, didn't he? Did That's a, right. Did music yeah, he that. wrote the music for that a film I did called I Am Belfast, and he's very kindly provided music for 
the new film that I've made about a film producer that you and I both know, Jeremy Thomas. And so David has provided the music for that. Oh, wonderful. I'm looking forward to that. Well, Jeremy's a big music fan as well, introducing us to Sakamoto, for example. Um, yeah. when he did uh, Merry Christmas Mr Lawrence and of course and it's been Mark Cousins and Women Make Film is out on DVD and Blu-ray and you can find it online on BFI Player and it's a monumental but and yet hugely enjoyable uh, production Mark congratulations on that and thanks very much for joining me Pleasure Jason What a lineup! Mira Nair and Mark Cousins Women Making Film here on Scene Anything Good Lately and of course letting us in on some fantastic recommendations. It's really what the best in the business watch when they're not working. Thanks for listening today and I'll be back with another Scene Anything Good Lately next week of course with singer Zara McFarlane and comedian and author Ian Stone. Before then let me know if you've seen anything good lately by emailing saggle at jasonsolomons.com I look forward to reading all your comments and your recommendations see you soon, bye